So you look at these stories and you're just like, I need to know more. Because mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they hit him, who else have they hid, hidden from us? It's just like deep dives like that that I really love. And I love to kind of like bring them to you guys. Welcome you all to the Fashion Navy Podcast. I should say welcome back because... <laughs> We took a little hiatus. We did a little fast at the beginning of the year to ground our year and pray over all of the things that we have coming up for 2024. So I thank you all for your patience. I thank you for hanging in there with me. We're ready to get back into the swing of things. We're ready to get back into these conversations. Today, we're going to talk about Black fashion history in honor of Black History Month. We're going to talk about the power in our history, our addiction to fashion, Paving our own paths in the stylish versus the stylist, which I'm excited about that conversation. Also excited about our guest who we have joining us today, Miss Marcia of She Fly Though, and she is. <laughs> she is the owner of She Fly Though LLC. In 2015, Marcia began blogging under the alias The Undercover Fashionista as an effort to help her heal while on a journey to self-love, sharing stories about her personal growth and passion for fashion. Inspired by her sense of style, followers began requesting her expertise for amping up their personal style, and her work expanded into assisting with celebrity photo shoots, branding projects, and more. Today, with a list of services and experiences, she provides her clients with help enhancing their look. Welcome, Miss Marcia. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks Absolutely. For having me. Absolutely. So let's jump into a little bit of housekeeping. I want to welcome Marcia, of course, and also welcome to the ladies in the room who are joining us by way of our live audience. You guys asked for a way to engage and add your voice to these conversations. So I'm excited to have you all here. Please feel free to drop your comments, questions, and feedback in the chat, and we'll keep an eye on them during the discussion. If you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, and you want in on the conversation, you can visit me on Instagram at Fashion Maybe and join the Ladies Room Broadcast channel, which is where we post the audience link. That will get you exclusive access because we like exclusivity here. (laughs) So let's go ahead and jump into today's discussion. Miss Marcia. I have crowned you our resident fashion history enthusiast. I've learned so much from your love of the history of fashion. And while we know fashion is cyclical, sometimes without knowing the knowledge behind it, it's hard to kind of make those connections. So let's start out with you telling us where your love for not just the trends, but their origins. Where did that come from? Where did that start? It started when I was a little girl. I just looked up to my dad. Like um, My dad was just very into history and all things history. He would just read and read and read. At a young age, I was different. <laughs> but what I did to be different, I was a book nerd. I really didn't have too many friends. I would rather be in the house reading a book versus being outside with my two sisters. So I kind of knew I was a little bit different. In a good way. I wouldn't say it in a negative uh, mm-hmm. fact, but I just knew I was a little different. And I just knew that anything I get, I, I guess you could say hyper fixated on, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I would just like 
someone told me something, I have to go and research it. But then I noticed, I noticed that I loved fashion. So that hyper fixation on fashion just became me deep diving into mm-hmm. fashion history. So me just watching a fashion movie, I just had to go and like, who wrote it? Who did this? Who did that? Who styled it? Who was the fashion uh, wardrobe person behind it? So I just knew that my love of fashion was a little bit deeper than just putting on clothes. Like I just mm-hmm. had to kind of like that deep dive into it. I love that. And I think you mentioned a really important thing because I think like right now it's really big where people are like, oh, what's my purpose? Like, where's my whatever? But like, we all have that internal kind of gauge that like starts going off once you come across what it is. And a lot of times we just need to tap into it and listen to it. So that's very interesting to hear that even at that age and even when you were young, that you were able to identify that, oh, this is the thing that like really excites me. Let me go in this direction. A lot of times we overlook, when we think fashion, we think clothes. And there are so many avenues in fashion that you don't necessarily have to go influencer, designer, like you don't have to take the traditional routes. Like there are, as we talked about the other day, fashion historians, there are all types of different career avenues and paths in fashion. So I love that you found what was yours and what interests you in it and kind of went down that road. What era of fashion resonates with you the most? I really love like the 1920s, 1930s fashion. Okay. That's that's the ease that's the the that's in the forefront of my mind is the 1920s. However, I find myself looking back at like 1700s, 1800s fashion. Okay. Crazy. Only because I just love the way they crafted the garments back then. Um, mm-hmm. Everything was like sewn by hand, mm-hmm. pre-sewing machines. It's just when people really took time to make their garments and life moved a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Those is That's where I find my, um, my joy with watching. But the booming of the 1920s and the Harlem Renaissance and... The Art Deco and the Egyptomania, that kind of thing, the glamour, the glitz, the more freedom that women had with their dressing. Mm-hmm. Dresses got a little bit looser, so the, the restrictions came off. So mm-hmm. I love that for us as mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it could go hand in hand, 1850s, 1920s, just when people just took time and garments wasn't like put on and then thrown away the next day. No fast fashion. <laughs> no fast fashion back then. I know that it was fast fashion, but it's still not as fast as like as today. As today. I actually did not expect, I don't know why I didn't expect you to go that far back. But I was like, oh, she about to give me 90s. She's a 90s girl. But that tracks, that very much tracks. Do you see any of that in today's styles and fashion? Since we say fashion is cyclical. You do. You really do. Okay. And you wouldn't even know it. I what? think last year, last year, you really would have saw this piece being like everyone wore it. Um, it's the crinkled shirt. Yes. And it crinkled. Mm-hmm. It was so pretty. So mm-hmm. pretty. But it was a dress. Um, I believe it was like 1920s called the Delphine dress of the okay. 1920s. It was that same crinkle material. It just, okay. um, it held its shape. Mm-hmm. But that style is reminiscent of 
that shirt. So every time I see that shirt, I'm just like, oh, the Delphine dress. It's D-E-L-P-H-I. When you see it, you're like, oh, yeah. And Because that, that shirt was everywhere. Eloquy made one. There was another higher um, brand that made one, too. Red carpet is always like a 1920, especially when you want to mm-hmm. go like full glam. Glam. Mm-hmm. It's usually like 1940s, 19, 1920s. The hairstyles are always coming back in the 1920s. Always. Um, the little bob cuts now. So 1920s. You, so 1920s. <laughs> Definitely would have fit in. Definitely would have been influenced. We've been influenced. Somebody uh, said 1950s for sure. The Ooh. femininity, the suiting, the dresses. Everything was very coordinated and so girly. Yes. Love. That's um, if that person loves like Maisel, her outfits was always on point. I believe that was like 40s or 50s, that 50s. show. But yes, okay. on point. Love. Definitely. You did a series this month on your Instagram that featured Black fashion history facts. So I want to get into a couple of those. One thing that made that really stand out to me, why it's so important to have somebody that's tracking these things. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the go, go, go of fashion and the fast pace that if nobody is kind of tracking the history of it and where these things come from, sometimes we are in a society in a time right now where folks like to rewrite history um, and a and accredit our contributions to other people is <laughs> the nice way we'll say that. Um, but one of the ones that you did this month that stood out to me was the New York Times trying to credit Travis Kelsey with the fade. <laughs> oh my God. When I saw that, I was like, come on. And, and the thing is, that's not even that long ago. The fade was invented in like the 80s, 90s. Come on. That was not even that long ago for you to be like in uh, fashion amnesia that we kind of started that trend. A quick Google would have would have summed that up real fast for you. That is not the Travis Kelsey. That is the fade. But I thought it was the perfect example of why I love what you do on your platforms because it allows us to kind of connect the dots. And like you said, that was a very recent one. But let's mm-hmm. kind of dive into some of your other Black fashion history facts. And yes, Shayla, I saw you said you was mad too. We was all mad at Travis. Oh, and I oh love Travis Kelsey. Well, he, he cleared it up. He said, I can't, I can't okay. take credit for that. I can't take credit for that. Um, And if you just look to the person next to him, which is probably a black football player with the same haircut, it's not him. Tried it. it. I was about to say, I'm glad to hear Travis cleared that up. Because otherwise, we were going to have to uninvite him from the cookout. No, he he cleared (laughs) it up immediately. Okay, (laughs) Travis. Come on. Play in our face. I love, I love uncovering the people that you were never, that you never heard about. Like, I love when a new name pops out to me. Mm-hmm. I haven't even posted this one, but I'll share it here. It's a guy named, ooh, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> no, but it's this guy, his name is Pierre Toussaint, right? And he was a hairstylist, a black hairstylist from back in the 17th century. He was a slave, but now he's on the list of being honored for sainthood, right? So how does a person go from a slave 
to sainthood, you ask. So he was, like I said, a slave and his master moved up to New York City and brought him along. And while he was here, he he did an apprenticeship as a hairdresser assistant. So he will make money from that. But then his slave owner passed away. So instead of just like buying his freedom and leaving, he decided that he wanted to take his earnings and kind of pour into the slave master's wife's house, right? And so he would do hair. He would take care of them. He kind of rose up into like society and he was taking care of all the who's who hair of New York. So all like the updos that was really popular. He was the one that kind of made them popular. He was doing all of it. He ends up buying his wife's freedom, his kids' freedom, everyone's freedom except for his. His was the last ones to come because he still wanted to take care of his slave owner's wife. Mm -hmm. And... He ends up like taking care of like a lot of people, just pouring money into like um, society and like his people and everything. He wasn't even welcome really in the Catholic Church. But now when you look back, they, I think the New York Times just did a, a story about him. He made all this money from being a hairdresser in, in the 17th century. You probably haven't heard of him. Neither have I. Right. And you can just see where our footprint mm-hmm. was in everything. But those pin strokes of history just gets lighter and lighter as time goes on. He's the only black person buried in St. Peter's uh, Cathedral in New York City. Wow. Only See? black men, only black laymen buried in New York City. So you look at these stories and you're just like, I need to know more. Because mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they hit him, who else have they hit, hidden from us? It's just like deep dives like that that I really love. And I love to kind of like bring them to you guys. You just know, like, when you're getting your hair done by a Black hairdresser, mm-hmm. who came before them? Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. you hear the Madam C.J. Walker, but you never mm-hmm. hear the the um, Pierre Toussaint mentioned. So that's just, a, that's just one that I kind of, like, learned about. That's and right. I kind of, like, really want to honor him now when I get my hair yeah. done. Yeah. We've been here for a long time. And I think like stories like that and just knowing that history and those kind of facts, they make you sit up a little, a little taller. They give you a little (laughs) more sense of pride. And like you said, if that one was hidden, there are several other left to uncover. And I think with each one, I think our history just grows richer. In all of your research and all of your findings... Is there any kind of historical tie to where our addiction to fashion comes from? So I would say, don't quote me on this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I personally, from what I've seen, is that our addiction to fashion comes from a place of lack mm-hmm. in the Black community, but mm-hmm. also the place of lack when it came to like slavery, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And you could just think about pre-slavery. So you had people that was probably wearing the gold and, and the, the jewels and the, the pretty outfits or the, or the mm-hmm. garments in, in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. So they strip us of that and they put mm-hmm. us on the plantation field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then they tell us how we are to show up in life. Mm-hmm. We are to wear this and we are to, you know, be in the fields seven days or six days a week, rested on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So then on Sunday, when Sunday comes, it's a it's a time for us to be like, you know what? I'm going to show up to this world the way Mm -hmm. I want to show up. Mm -hmm. And 
it was the only day that we were able to kind of like put on the clothes mm-hmm. and dress our best and show up mm-hmm. for the for back then, you know, Christianity to like to present ourselves mm-hmm. to God in the best way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you take that and then you move us into so we won't be looked at as less than mm-hmm. we always feel like we have to kind of like go over and above mm-hmm. with the way we present in life because mm-hmm. we want to be kind of looked at a certain way. It's so I think status. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a status. Status symbol. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at these people who have it mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I need to show. And mm-hmm. then your parents and our my parents uh, for sure was telling us, don't you do this. Don't you do that. Don't you come there looking like this mm-hmm. because you've already on the low totem pole mm-hmm. their eyes, right? So you felt like you had to always be on. Now we want all of it. All of so it. So I think yeah, that that's, that's where our love of clothes comes from is because someone told us we couldn't. So yeah. now, like, let me show you how we can. You made a really good point about how that has been passed along through the generations because I know for me, my mom being one of few Black people in her, I think it was her elementary school in West Virginia, like she was always told that, you know, you've got to present a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to look your best. That carried with her through to, you know, her professional environment when she was going into work and, you know, climbing the ladder that way as well. Um, That also passed along to my sister and I. We also very much so, you got to show up a certain way, you got to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just Just on a personal level, I know I remember growing up and when we were young, like shopping time was our bonding time with both my my mom and my grandmother. So it was like, girl, we would leave the house in the morning on Saturday and we didn't know what time we was coming back home. Yeah, we're going shopping and we'll be back when we be back. But that it was the kind of the glue that bonded our girl time together was in that. So very young, we had just that enjoyment of shopping and getting the new things. And it never was tied to like a, oh, you know, you had to have done something (laughs) exquisite um, to go shopping. It was just like, no, let's go out and put the things on because they feel good and we deserve it. And like those kind of things. So that for me has kind of turned into my shopping addiction. But I think very recently, much like you shared before too, I had a just a moment that I was just like, oh, Houston, we might have a problem. Oh, yeah. Let's see, we have a comment in the chat. <laughs> Someone says, I loved those weekends, store after store. Yes, honey, store after store. That's where it started. Oh my God, you just linked that for me. Now, post-COVID, we haven't been able to shop like we used to. Right. But pre-COVID, like, and even our teenage years, high school, going to the mall, that was the gathering place. Like, that's just what we did. I'm going to um, read this post that Marcia shared on her Facebook that, Y'all, when I tell you, hit my spirit. (laughs) I did laundry, and while I was folding my clothes and attempting to put them away, I looked around and said, I have entirely too many clothes. I have clothes in drawers, clothes in my closet, clothes in totes, clothes in bags. I don't even know what those are. Erica, who is your sister? Mm -hmm. Okay. Erica said, Marcy, you don't have that much hot shit to have this many clothes. (laughs) 
she is right. I called my friends and family and said, you can go through everything and take what you want. I do not care if they are my faves, if they have tags on them, if it's new, take it. At some point in time, I developed a shopping addiction or became materialistic and I don't like it. What wasn't taken was donated. The only thing I was attached to was an old Aeropostale hoodie from like 15 years ago. Maybe because that hoodie represents me at my core. Everything else I could care less. Going forward, I will be very mindful of the things I purchase, what I keep and let go of, finding a happy balance between too little and too much. Child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what what did I have on yesterday? That Aeropostale hoodie? <laughs> Listen. She did during our mic check. She had on her Aeropostale hoodie. But when I saw this post, when I tell you resonated with me so much, and Shayla is on here so she can attest to this, because Shayla used to come to my house when we would record our other podcast, and she always joked about, like, Jamie would pull stuff from behind the, clo- behind the couch, from out the oven, from out the whatever, like, just stuff everywhere. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is so... This is very much me. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that moment and kind of, it feels like that was your aha moment. Like talk yeah. to me about how you got there and how you developed your shopping addiction. So my shopping addiction came from when I first started blogging. I don't mm. even think I had a shop. Well, I didn't have money before I started blogging. I think I started to have a little coin. So I was mm. like, let me dibble into blogging and mm-hmm. showing what my what my style is the way that stuff is kind of like pumped out to you on social media you gotta buy this this is the hot new thing oh if you don't have this uh who are you you know mm-hmm. i need to get that i need to get this i need to get that and all of a sudden i look up and i get overwhelmed when i have too much stuff around mm-hmm. me i feel like the, the walls are closing in on me mm-hmm. i i'm a minimalist at heart <laughs> in my heart in my heart in my heart in my heart I am a minimalist and when I feel like I have too much stuff I just feel like the walls are closing on me I can't think mm-hmm. straight mm-hmm. I can't sleep good mm-hmm. um like when clothes it's just every like things is just I can't so one day I went to the laundry man I just came home and I was like this can't be life I, this is not me. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, like social media. And, and the thing is, when you look at the clothes, these clothes don't even represent me at my core and who I am at my core. Before that, I started to do like a deep dive into fashion. I was talking to one of my best friends and we were trying to really develop like my style and she was using the Zodiac to do it, right? Is that a thing? It's a thing. As if I need another thing, but go ahead. But when you hear it, you'll be like, okay. So we were just doing a Zodiac, right? And some people might not believe in it. Some people, Mm -hmm. but it it really resonated with me that I'm just a person who just loves comfort, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a person who loves easy access to things. Like I don't want to be cumbersome in my clothes, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that makes sense. Because when I go and buy stuff like that hoodie from Aeropostale, that's comfort. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's me and my comfort, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking around. I'm like, I got dresses that I would never put on. I got this. I got that. I got this. I got this. this is not even. This doesn't even represent me and who I am at baseline. Who are you at baseline? Mm-hmm. When the cameras are off, when you you're not at work, 
who are you? I'm a minimalist <laughs> at my mm-hmm. base. So I'm looking at the stuff and I'm like, I'm not attached to any of this. This is just stuff that people online told me that I needed. Needed. I'm looking at that shirt like, I don't even know you, right? Who are you and how did you even get here? So I was just like, if I look through it, I'm going to want it. So I said, I'm not going to even look through it. It's people who are, are deserving to have this stuff that mm-hmm. may want it and can't afford it. I'm not attached to it. I don't even know what it is. I have never been worn it, but whatever. So I call people who I know. If you see it and you like it, just take it. I just have to get back to me. Somehow I got here and I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to be here. <laughs> I love it. It's overwhelming. I love that you pointed out that outside influence piece. Is that um, Yeah, because I started this uh, episode talking about doing a fast the end of January through the beginning of February. And uh, part of that fast was coming off of social media. And when I tell you that was one of my one of my goals for the fast was to kind of realign my priorities. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some financial goals that I want to meet. I have some, you know, goals that I want to do and to just kind of figure out what I want to do with my brand in general. I want to pour it more into um, podcasting than shopping. But coming off of social media and that constant, you need this, you need this, you need to buy this, buy this, buy this was so nice. I'm an impulse shopper. Yeah. So like if I see something it's gonna start off right here. If it's I see it, I want it, I need it, and I need it now. <laughs> oh, it's cause it's gonna sell out. It's gonna sell out. As soon so, as I click off it, it's gonna be gone. I gotta get it now. <laughs> gotta get it now. And I think the added piece on top of that as plus size women is that it's like, oh, we don't normally get this. Like this trend, this piece, like they normally don't make that for us and everybody is going to go grab it. So I need to get it because it's not something that comes, you know, along often. Mm -hmm. So it's like, gotta buy, gotta buy, gotta buy. But also just that constant, like push to you. I was aware of it. Like I knew of it, but doing that fast, when I tell you, I did not Shop, not shopping was not a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I went in Target. I even looked at the Black History Month collection that they launched for Black History Month. Did not have a need or a want to purchase or shop. Whereas otherwise, when I'm on social media, the other part of the fast was no TV. So I didn't have TV commercials, like none of that stuff constantly telling me that I need something or that I want something. So now I'm way more like mindful of that. And like you, I've tried to put those kind of stops in the middle that like make me stop and think like, okay, not just do you like this? Is it cute? Yes. But there are going to be a lot of cute things. You don't need all of the cute cute things. Me and my best friend have a saying is when we were in college, it was about drinking, right? But we still used it to to this day. It was like, clothes are like buses. Mm -hmm. It's going to be another one. You can refuse this one because something Mm -hmm. else will come along and maybe you want that one. It's coming. It's coming. Just Mm -hmm. be patient. Like, oh my God, an event's going to come up and I'm not going to have anything to wear. Girl, how? How? (laughs) Undo it. Undo it. Undo it. 
undo it. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm actively working on unlearning um, some of the things that I picked up. Cause like you said, I, it started when I got into blogging and doing, you know, Instagram and influencing and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where I was just like, oh, I need this. Oh, this is, I need this. Or, oh, this trend is coming. I need to try this. Like it definitely got the gears going. And I now I'm just like getting to the point where I can see something and like it. And so what I've been doing the last few months is looking around my closet to see if I can create that with something that's already in here and nine times out of 10, I can. (laughs) can. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you probably have something in your closet that's either close to, or could be, give you the same vibe as anything. So that's, that's a good, that's a good point too, because a lot of times I think we, we go for the one for one, like, Oh, she got that eloquy blazer. I need that eloquy blazer versus the vibe of that outfit is you know a little girly a little edgy or it's a blazer look with some jeans like you don't have to go for the one-on-one you can actually go to your closet and grab a blazer that fits you similarly so if it's an oversized blazer go for that and your a pair of jeans that you already have it doesn't have to be those kind of exact things and I feel like probably about last year I really like had a moment where I'm just like, I want to give people more than a shopping addiction. I know I started out doing my platform wanting to help women um, because a lot of times, especially as plus size women, we don't know that we can shop affordably. You can look very nice and not spend a ton of money. But in doing that, I'm also like, I don't want to keep pushing you to buy, buy, buy um, because it's not always about the clothing pieces that you're buying that actually determine your style. So I was just like, we got to figure something else out. I want to be helpful to you, <laughs> but I don't want to give you a shopping addiction. You're never attached to the material. You're attached You're attached to the thing that you did when you had the material on, the memory. So, and a lot of the things I've come across, they talk about detaching the memory from the thing. Keep the memory, let go of the thing. Let that piece of fabric belong, go to someone else so they can create a memory in it. That. Let it travel. What is this? the movie called? The Traveling Travel- Pants. Let it or, travel. Yeah. Let's move into your business and kind of paving your own path in fashion and launching your business, investing in yourself um, and deciding to take that leap. Um, talk to me about that process because I know... <laughs> It can be a little scary, but talk to me about that process for you. It was so scary. It was like the biggest leap I had to do. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, mm-hmm. I've had several conversations with mm-hmm. you. Like, mm-hmm. are you, is is this, this voice I'm hearing? Are you sure this, you sure this God? Cause I don't know. Cause <laughs> Girl. several conversations, but yeah. So when I started to blog and um, I didn't want to pay anyone to shoot my pictures, I said I was going to do it myself. So I bought myself a little camera and I just taught myself how to use it. And then women would be like, oh, my God, I want to I want to have you shoot my content. And I'm like, I'm not a photographer. It's like you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. I shoot my content because um, I'm thinking about like all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes when I'm shooting. I'm like, no, I'm not a 
photographer. It's like, no, you are. And I just remember a story back in the day when I was a teenager. I was like, like I said in the beginning, I was shy. I was a very peculiar kid. I had a speech impediment, which I still do. So I didn't really talk a lot. I was really quiet. I was really shy. I was really reserved. My sisters were in your face, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was the middle child. But there was a pastor's wife that um, saw me. And when I mean saw me, Mm -hmm. I mean she saw the inner me. Me. And she was a hairdresser at the time. So she wrote me a note in church. She was the pastor's wife. She wrote me a note in church and she put it in my hand. And when I opened it up, it said, I'll do your hair for free. Because she knew my mom had two girls and she didn't really have a lot of money. She said, I'll do your hair for free. And I said, I looked around like, is this with me? She said, I got you. So I talked to her after church. She said, yeah, I'm going to do your hair for free every two weeks. Just pay me back when I get a job. She did my hair all the way up until I went to college for free. Wow. Never asked me for money, even when I had a job. Mm-hmm. Ever. Never told anyone. Mm-hmm. Never made it. Never boasted about it. Mm-hmm. it. Didn't do anything. So as I started my journey into blogging, she had a stroke. And she never really saw the transition of what mm-hmm. she did. Mm-hmm. But. I'm hoping she passed away, but I hope she looks down on me and every day that I'm doing what I'm doing, she's like, okay. So when I started my journey in blogging, I was just like, I want to pour into women. I wanted to pour into little girls Mm -hmm. because I was like, someone reached down and got me Mm -hmm. and helped me out. So I was like, I want to reach down and get them. I was just like, but how can I do it? How can I talk to women? And I was like, well, they keep asking me about this photography thing. And I was like, maybe this is a way to kind of like pour into women the way this lady poured into me. Went back and forth, back and forth. Like, should I do it? Should I do it? And I remember sitting in church one day and her son, the pastor's wife's son, who's now a pastor now, looked at me and said, you have a journey that's going to be different from everybody else. But God has already major path for you it's going to be a little difficult in everyone else's path Mm -hmm. but you have to go through it Mm -hmm. because you're going to reach a lot of women you're going to pour into women you're going to do you know the lord's work Mm -hmm. and because my grandma was the same way she did for homeless people and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and he was like it's in you it's on you and you're going to do it so i was like okay Mm -hmm. i want to get a place but it has to be within budget (laughs) but if you're going to do it do it you know, and you and you gotta do it because you gotta you, do it. You gotta do it. Yep, mm-hmm. right. So just um, the cars just like lined up where it's like I have a good job. I work my job Monday through Friday, and I have an, the income to allow me to open up this space. And I was like, if if God, if you if you, if you want this to be, you know, He's gonna make a way, mm-hmm. and He made a way. And mm-hmm. I don't really. It's kind of hard being a business owner mm-hmm. with that calling on your life mm-hmm. because that calling can't come with like, it can come, but it's hard to kind of put a price on building a woman's self-esteem mm-hmm. up and, mm-hmm. and showing them that you are love, you are worthy of mm-hmm. pouring into yourself. You are worthy of taking time out of your day to focus on you. You you deserve pampering. You deserve therapy. You deserve a sister girl that's going to sit here and talk to you. 
And I think that it's, for me, it's something that I love to do. It's something that I need to do. It's something that resonates with me every time I walk into the studio. And I feel like my past allowed me to be here in like mm-hmm. a non-judgmental and mm-hmm. poor way. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way I can judge you because mm-hmm. I walked that same path of low mm-hmm. self-esteem, not feeling like I belong, not knowing what my voice was, you know? So mm-hmm. by the grace of God, I've been here for one year. Yes. Um, yes. I met so many different women from so many different walks of life from the lady who was about to retire to the young girl that's just getting out of high school and everything in between from the business owners to people who just want to just love on themselves for a day. You know, being with the person who showed up in tears and didn't know what to do and I just had to sit down and just minister to you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about the shoot. It was about the connection. Yeah. So my place is a very sacred place for me and for my clients. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to like, with God willing, Uh, uh, we can continue on this journey and probably expand into something bigger and better. And I've told you before, I love that women get a full experience with you. I love that you may be coming there for a photo shoot, but you also may get something that you didn't even know that you needed or vice versa. Like you said, with the young lady that came and was just in tears and I just need somebody to sit down and talk to. Like, I know we scheduled this photo shoot, but I love your willingness to your yes, to be able to whatever they show up and whatever they need in that moment is what you provide um, for them to include your styling services, your photography services. I just need a good girlfriend services. I've talked to you myself, so I know that you're getting therapy services. (laughs) that you're getting all of those things and I just I love the fullness of the service that you provide to women and I love that you do that in honor of the um the pastor's wife that did that for you but also that feeling that you just talked about about that you get when you walk into that studio Mm -hmm. yesterday we were talking about finding your joy and that feeling that's what that is that is so true I was just like I'm getting to my studio and just be like I did it you know because it was many nights of like tears and mm-hmm. and and questioning God and questioning myself and my abilities mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and people wanting stuff from me that I didn't mm-hmm. know I had in me mm-hmm. <laughs> to do like even today you're like come do this podcast I'm like I don't talk <laughs> yeah whole time we didn't talk for years now I'm like girl you gonna come talk to me <laughs> a big step it's it's definitely outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. but i felt like the time was right mm-hmm. i'm in a studio where it's like for women who or people who are just now starting out their businesses mm-hmm. and overhead is not that high but um it was god kind of like and it was in the building that i wanted yeah that's the thing i said god i want a building like in an industrial kind of place mm-hmm. um and he was just like here it is yeah what are you gonna do Yeah, makes all the, that's why I love, every time I hear people's story, like it just gives me chills because literally we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, especially with skills that we teach ourselves. Sometimes we don't have as much confidence in those skills because we didn't go the traditional path, but it's always funny to me because it's like, those are the things that like God has already put down on the inside of you. And you've just gotten to that part in the journey where those things are getting ignited. And Mm -hmm. then he positions people 
to also come and pull those things out of you and surround you by people that you are meant to serve. So even those women that in the early days that were like, oh, can you shoot my pictures too? Or you're like, oh, I'm not a photographer. Oh, you're her photographer. Like yes. that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly how it lines up. But also um, just in being confident that like God puts the pieces in place. Do. Um, and I think we've talked before about when Shayla and I first started podcasting, we paid for nothing. And it was just like, oh, okay, we were working with other people that were also building and trying to grow their brands as well. And it just all worked out. And so when I got to a place of like, I wanted to do something else, or I wanted to, you know, go this way or go that way. And like, you kind of hit those stops. I, at first I would, you know, be a little frustrated, like, oh, I'm trying to do this thing and it's not working and, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I had to pause and be like, oh, okay, but that closed door might be because that's not the way that I'm supposed to go. Like, follow the open doors, follow the, the things that are put into place. And as soon as I did, now I'm just like, I've gotten back to a couple of those doors and now they're unlocked. And I'm just like, oh, okay, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they're unlocked with a, a, a sense of knowledge on your yeah. end. You know, like yeah. if they would have been unlocked for you had you walked through with the knowledge that you had today, you know, yeah. or yeah. like me, I, my whole like ability to deep dive mm-hmm. <laughs> into things was kind of like preparing me for who I am today. Right. Yeah. So it's like when those doors began to open up, I was able to like, okay. It's it all works. It all aligned. It all works together. Like even I I shared uh, with you yesterday that I got a life coach um, for this year. And like one of our first sessions, I was telling her like, oh, you know, I've been a little bit of everywhere. I've done a little bit of everything. Like, I don't really know how all of this is supposed to make sense. And she was like, you're just looking at the individual pieces, not realizing mm-hmm. that all of those pieces come together to form something. Yeah. And you needed all of those pieces for exactly where you are right now. So it's crazy. They- it's about it. like little pieces of like, why was I by myself at the lunch table in high school, you know, or in, in, mm-hmm. in why was I, you know, crying every night for friendship and connection? Mm-hmm. Why was I struggling with like being a dark skinned woman mm-hmm. in uh, school or having bad hair or acne or, you know, just the confidence? Why is this my story when my sister has her own issues i won't mm-hmm. downgrade her issues but they were still able to kind of like weave through life mm-hmm. you know and make and build connections and build relationships mm-hmm. whereas both like i was like a little bit behind the eight ball mm-hmm. but then you go and you're like oh you're preparing me for something i get it now and now you go from that space of oh I was longing for these friendships for these you know sisterhoods or whatever and now you are the one that creates those like I girl when I tell you being here in full praise my um my pastor has a song and I encourage you to listen to it. it's like it may not feel good when it's working but it's working for my good that's the that's song. the part that don't nobody tell you nobody tells you that it may not feel good while it's working but it's but- working for your good. Okay. <laughs> quotable. That's a quotable from this episode. We're okay, so let's um let's talk about the stylish versus the stylist. So for me, 
there is a difference between being stylish and being a stylist. I will forever point you guys and anybody that follows my platforms, I will forever point you in the direction of my favorite things. The things that I found, the style hacks that I found, the things that were good for my body, um, the things that I've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. But if you need an actual stylist, I'm going to forever point you to a stylist. <laughs> because while I might be stylish, being a stylist is a profession. It's a craft. It's time, sweat, and tears poured into learning about not just yourself, but how to bring that out of other people. So... Can you expound upon that a little bit about your experience and how that kind of differs from just the stylish she fly though that we see, that she's fly, how that translates into being a stylist and working with clients? With me, I always knew that I knew my my body and what I like. <laughs> and I deal with women who just want to get dressed and get up and get dressed, right? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, I don't see myself as the person that kind of like can meticulously put an outfit together. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to say I'm like a, like in a stylist is like the Hollywood glam style. Like I'm a personal, like a wardrobe uh, stylist. stylist. Okay. Um, okay. So for me, I'm stylish <laughs> and I had to learn this too. Because mm-hmm. when I first started out, I wanted to dress everyone like me. Like me? That's me. That's me. <laughs> you know, and some people do want to dress like you. Do. But not everyone mm-hmm. wants, wants to dress like you. Yeah. Um, but it's some people it's just like, no, I want what you have on. What you have. I want to mm-hmm. I want to show up like you show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I had to get out of that head. I had to get out of that mindset of like, okay, not everyone wants to dress like me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that's fine. So then I had to kind of like <laughs> learn different styles, different trends, different body types. I had to learn what goes nicely on this type of shape, mm-hmm. um, learning people's personalities, learning their backstories, their their day-to-day lifestyle because you don't want to put someone in something that, you know, they only want, they only would wear once. Right. So it's like a right, right brain, left brain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do, which is like, okay, I got to put what I would want on the side to the best and mm-hmm. then kind of like lead with what they like. It's been a journey. Mm-hmm. It's been a journey that I kind of picked up and put down, but I still like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it does. It does because there's the distinction. And I think you nailed that, that there is what I want. And that's why when people are like, oh, can you know, you style me? And I'm just like, no, because my knowledge only goes as far as me. Yeah. Like I know what I like and I only know what I like because I have spent years with me and learning what I like. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to looking at another woman and like knowing what's going to work for her body type, what's going to work for even the interior, like you said, getting to know that woman and like how she wants to feel in her clothes and how she wants to show up in the world. Like I haven't gone down that road to learning those things. All I'm going to do is put you in what I would wear. (laughs) Now I will say this. I'm nosy by nature. Okay. Right? So yeah. 
going to be up in your business. <laughs> so I want to know, what did you do today? Yeah. How did your day, how does your day look? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how much of a thought process do you want to put in to getting dressed? Are mm-hmm. you someone who just wants to coordinate and not really think you want, mm-hmm. are you good with sets? Mm-hmm. Um, are good with um individual clothes like do you like to put on like a skirt and a shirt i don't but Mm -hmm. that's you you know how much money do you want to spend on a wardrobe how Mm -hmm. much time do you want to spend shopping for a wardrobe Mm -hmm. you know what is your measurements Uh, (laughs) all um, important you know makes you feel itchy and uncomfortable you know do you like natural fibers or do you like man-made fibers like mm-hmm. you know are you health conscious are you mm-hmm. um environmental mm-hmm. are you pro not pro- you know like i i want to know all that yeah i want to take all that mash it up in my brain and put you out some looks that will make you feel good yeah feel good. i really think the biggest set apart is that desire to want to do that like that's where you get joy from doing that. Yeah. I get joy from getting dre- from me, <laughs> dressing me. I also get joy out of finding you all sales and you know finding you all steals and deals. Like that's where I get my joy. That whole like you said, like sitting down with you and doing the deep dive and figuring out like right now that's not where my joy is and you deserve and should have a stylist that asks you every single one of those questions. Yes. Because that means they really want to dress you. They want yes. to make you present your best. They make they want to make you feel your best. Not to just and I've I've had experiences, child, with stylists that are just like they want to put certain clothes on me and I'm just like, but that's not even gonna look nice on me. Like No. <laughs> That's not going to look good. But so you deserve somebody that puts in that level of detail and effort into helping you find a style for you. Because when it looks to me, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Don't talk to me anymore. I'm in my zone. I, I know what I'm, I know what I must do now. Yeah. Like, that's how I get. <laughs> You're on your, uh, your James Bond. You, you know the mission. You've chosen to accept it. I accept the mission. As we close out Black History Month and we head into Women's History Month, which is in March, give me some women in power with a great sense of style, past or present, and who is your style icon? My style icon, and it's someone that you probably, you know, but you wouldn't expect it to be. Okay, I have one similar that like you know that you wouldn't expect either so I want to hear yours (laughs) too and it's not even because I think they're like the most stylish people walking Mm -hmm. on this earth it's just Mm -hmm. that they just know who they are Mm -hmm. and they show up who as who they are all the time Mm -hmm. one is Whoopi Goldberg really okay okay I feel like she's been very consistent with mm-hmm. her style ever since like the eighties and mm-hmm. on up and she just she just knows. Yep. And looks so comfortable and they look so worn and 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 educated and just she's just someone to be admired. Like I just I just love her. Yeah. Um 
and two, I would say after watching that documentary with Beth Ann, yes, it's yeah, was who she is as <laughs> as a person to her core, and I and that's just something that I kind of like aspire to be. Who's your somebody, somebody said yes, Beth Ann, and we're talking about Beth Ann uh, Hardison. Yes, if y'all have not seen the documentary, please go watch it. When yes. I tell you the level of inspiration that I got from that documentary, and like you said, I love that the two people that you chose are not names that you hear commonly. Um, and I think, but both of the people that you chose, to me, are style icons. Not who's out in fashion, who's whatever, but they have such a sense of style, which is not your clothes. It's how they very much know themselves. Even I didn't even think of Whoopi Goldberg. That was a good one. But when typically when people ask this question, you get, oh, Tracy Ellis Ross, which I love Tracy. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she is immediately who we think of um, and the Rihannas and like those kind of people. So I love that you're, I love your answers. So mine, I have one from the past, which um, again, you know, And I actually read, I believe it was an article in a fashion magazine. I will share it in the show notes for this show. But Maya Angelou. See? Mm -hmm. These are people who lived Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. social media and had a chance to develop their style based on life experience, not the algorithm. You know? Yeah. And I'll share this article in the show notes. Um, but it said, consider her fashion choices. The prolific author was a stand-in for fly Black women everywhere. Young Maya had everything at her disposal. The attitude of a fighter, the grace of a dancer, the bearing of a star in the making. She was always sleek and sassy and dressed as many international creatives do. Everything was game as long as it felt authentic. Girl, some of those pictures they pulled of Maya. Yes, Maya, you <laughs> you better. And we know Maya for so many other things. I loved that that article dove into her fashion. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, And then so my other one, which is present, again, because I read a book uh, about her, specifically about her fashion choices, and it's Michelle Obama. But also, I think we typically connect Michelle to moments like where she is like, we all know the purple inauguration outfit. Um, But the book really did a deep dive into like the thought behind her looks and how they put them together and what it was that she was going for. Um, And I just love the background of those. When it comes to Michelle Obama, everything in fashion, and this is going to be like a little history thing, but Everything in fashion can kind of be traced back to a political standpoint, mm-hmm. a political movement or a stand up for your rights kind of thing. If you look at um, All Lives Matter, mm-hmm. you know, on the shirts, that's a fashion moment. If you look mm-hmm. at Obama wearing uh, knee high glitter boots, mm-hmm. another fashion moment, but political mm-hmm. because Oh, a politician shouldn't wear, you know, that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you think of can probably be traced back to some kind of like political stance. It's funny that you mentioned Michelle Obama. Yeah. Uh, because she's just fashion and politics. <laughs> oh, I love it. So yeah. also, also in the show notes, we're going to give you these, these resources that Marcia has over here um, <laughs> for you guys. 
to your point, that was one of the things that she said in the book. Um, and I think the book is called um, Editor in Chic, I think it's called. I have to, I, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but she talked about knowing as she stepped on these stages that she was going to be critiqued, criticized, um, and that people were going to be watching. So she said, she wanted to use that as she wanted to use fashion as a platform for her. She very much gave us affordable. She very much gave us black designers. She very much, there was substance behind what she wore. Um, One last one that I will mention that I wrote down, and I think because we both shared it today in your stories, was the first black woman to style the cover of Vogue, which was fairly recent for uh, Gabriella Karifa Johnson, who styled uh, Kamala Harris VP <laughs> for the cover of Vogue. As much backlash as she got for that cover, though. And I was reading about uh, the backlash um, in an article she recently did about that. Was it because of the sneakers? It, they said it was way too it's- casual. Casual, okay. Way I too casual. casual. Yeah, but she was like, there was so much that went into that that I don't think people like really connected the dots as like we're talking about or whatever. But she's one of those icons that we're getting to see in the making. And I know she just recently, I think the article I was uh, reading was about her recently leaving Vogue and her decision to do so because she wanted to have more freedom to express her passions and around social injustices. And at Vogue, you can imagine how that's going to go over. Um, And I think originally she kept those passions and her comments and her thoughts and her stories. Yeah. Um, and so she talked about wanting to kind of step out and be able to have more freedom to voice those. So she left Vogue. She's also in the process of writing a book that I think she has. I don't know if she's finalized the name of it, but oh. it was something that played on Kanye's rant about her not being a fashion person. Yeah. Because Kanye gives us so much good content. Uh, <laughs> as we close out, I was on sheflyboat.com. I told you I love your website. I think it's beautiful. I love the play on all your different pieces of your brand. She shops though. <laughs> love that. Um, she works though. Love that booker. And the one that kind of stood out to me most is your blog. She blogs though. And you have on there, I write to motivate and inspire you to push towards your dreams and look damn good doing it. You are like my spirit animal. (laughs) I love. So as we close out, kind of give us where folks can find you, uh, anything you have coming up, anything you want to leave us with, any final words, anything like that. So you can find me on Instagram at sheflytho underscore. You can. I also have an Instagram page for my photography, and that's sheflytho photog, p h o t o g. Um, that's at Instagram. My website is www.sheflytho.com. You can find me on TikTok. But... <laughs> We're still figuring out how we feel about TikTok. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I kind of built, you, you You mentioned it, the She Fly Though. Uh, she Fly Though is like the ending of something. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm doing, it I'm going to do it fly. I'm reading a book. 
I'm, she fly though. She fly mm-hmm. though reading that book, you know. <laughs> um, she's having her business and she's fly doing it. So anything that you do, the 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 fashion part is always like secondary. I just want you to live your life and just be fly doing it. Anything coming up, I'm just gonna be here in the studio hammering out some looks for some upcoming clients. But yeah, feel free to message me if you have any questions. If you want to talk fashion history, if you want to just hit me to someone that you may not think is on my radar, uh, all our suggestions are welcomed. And do you want to show us really quickly, I saw you pulled up one of your books. Um, how many of them do you have right there? <laughs> I have three here. Okay, show us, show us the three. Okay, so like I mentioned, uh, Politics and Fashion, this is a good book to research because half the time, everything that happened in politics when it comes to women fashion is because some man was behind it, kind of like pulling the levers, thinking that what we wanted to wear. And a lot of the women kind of like push back on, um, no, we want to wear pants. We don't want to wear a girdle all the time. We want to ride bicycles. And how the bicycle um, push the pants. Also, because we're getting ready to go into, well, not go into, but we're in a very big uh, year for politics. So um, then we have, then we have Dandy, Dandelion. Oh, okay. It's the art of dandy dressing. And this is kind of like what dandy dressing is with the black community it's usually something that you kind of see um it's a twist on like men's dress and it's a way to be more flamboyant and in your face this is a good book to read so if you want to see like what catalogs used to look like this is the fashion plate book Mm -hmm. 150 years of style this shows you like back in like the 1850s how we got our clothes back then it kind of shows you like what the outfits would have looked like um, these kind of like arrive to people's homes and you can kind of look through it and be like, oh yeah, I want to get this dress and this okay. material. And then I have a book back there called Fashion Killers. If you're interested in like the history of hip hop fashion and oh, how, okay. and that one is a really good one. That just shows you how we adopted things within the hip hop culture and how you probably seen them on videos and, and, and mm-hmm. rap videos and stuff like that, but you never really knew the history behind it. That's a good book mm-hmm. to read, to really understand like why we wear polo, why we wear Tommy Hilfiger, bamboo earring, all that. Thank you, Marcy, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Somebody said, I love the dandy style of dressing. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us in the comments as always. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.